show on WNHHLP 3.5 FM. Harry, thank you for that for that intro, and that was Phil Brown. And Phil's, um, uh, I shouldn't say better half, I'll say better half, but many of us might know Amoy. Amoy, uh, she has a restaurant on, on Orange Street that's worth worth checking out. It's a Creole uh, kind of restaurant, and, and Phil's a tremendous uh, musical talent in his group here in New Haven for several decades. I won't name him terms of the number of years but there's something to be to be said from about longevity uh speaking of longevity mr adams i have david adams here with us uh executive director of the graustein uh memorial fund and and dave and i are oh i guess are we aarp eligible um i would think so (laughs) you would think so by by several years Uh, (laughs) so you have some uh OGs, OGs in the house. So we were always trying to revive and renew and re- refresh ourselves. And, and, uh, as David has been here about 15 months, uh, in the New Haven area with the Graustein Memorial Fund as the, as it, almost three years, almost three years, excuse me, almost three years, uh, next week, next. Okay. Okay. Happy. So, so yeah, we got to have a birthday party That's or right. something, something, light a few candles. So three years time flies when you're having fun, as they say, mm-hmm. um, as executive director, and we're going to talk about the Graustein, the William Casper Graustein Memorial Fund, um, and, and kind of detail. And I'm going to begin to talk a little slower because we really want to unpack uh, what David has been up to over the last three years. And it's his, in terms of his being up to, he's been delving in, diving in, um, due diligence to the max. Not necessarily in terms of, although it's very important, what their their external uh, persona is in terms of grants. But what's going on foundationally? What's going on uh, infrastructure-wise? What's going on from a team-building standpoint? What's going on in terms of the world of philanthropy in the macro sense? And then in the micro sense, what is the mission and purpose of moving forward of the William Gasper uh, Graustein Memorial Fund? And David has written that before. I just want to say definitely go to to the website. Um, A lot of information is there. But even the mission statement, the mission statement is just so incredibly packed rich and i would even say say wealthy david um in terms of its nuance it's uh implicit nuance and as well as this ex- explicit kind of connotations but the mission of the william gaspar graustein memorial fund is to achieve equity in education by working with those affected and inspiring all to end racism and poverty i just want to read that one more time and, and as i was mentioning to david before we went on air that just that sentence alone is a is, is a two-day discussion, as you mentioned now, and it still is a three a three-year discussion. But the mission of the William Gaspar Graustein Memorial Fund is to achieve equity in education by working with those affected and inspiring all to end racism and poverty. David, welcome. Thank you. Tell us about that. I mean, that's that's more than a mouthful. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is um, a pretty packed uh, statement, as you said, and reflects, I think, um, a rich legacy uh, of a family foundation and of a team. You know, when we mm. think about the uh, the board and the staff at the Memorial Fund, we really do um, think of it as a team. We we really have worked together, and and it was really the work of that team that really got us to that statement that was able to reflect on all that had gone before with the Memorial Fund, the impact um, that, you know, happened, which was, you know, very significant 
And all that needed to then be addressed um, as a, a part of the new work going forward. So yeah, it was uh, quite a statement when it was arrived at, ultimately by the board, um, but it was done so in partnership with the, with the uh, staff. And the transition, then, what would you see? What would you say in terms of elaborating the the uh, the, the change from the past mission statement to to this one? And, and of course, you you were brought on board. Was this kind of in place before you came, or you instrumental in kind of making this shift? Just the transition phase. I'm curious about. It, there was already some um, discussion and sense of a desire to deepen and broaden the work of the memorial fund before I got there, but. Uh, I think that there was uh, also a real understanding that it wasn't something that you know could really happen overnight, and and there was a natural inflection point with a new executive director coming on board and an opportunity to do this in a a planned and thoughtful way. Um, there's a, a level of thoughtfulness and patience uh, that I think is reflective of the family that the Memorial Fund uh, emanates mm, from mm, and, you know, a real desire to do things in uh, that kind of deep reflective way. And you mentioned under the, again, this is the Tom Ficklin show and David Adams is with us, the executive director, the Graustein, uh, William Casper. I, I just want to say the full name for mm-hmm. the, for the family homage, mm-hmm. William Casper Graustein Memorial Fund. And under the, uh, your working definition of equity and equity in education, you mean by equity, and I'm, I'm reading here, you, we mean the just and fair inclusion into a society in which everyone can exercise their individual agency, et cetera. But the working definition, that's uh, when you talk about environments and, and, and preschool to adulthood and birth to adulthood and opportunities and resources. Um, and, and then they're ending the racism and the poverty connection. I mean, that unpack some of that for us. Well, I think there was an understanding, and this actually also goes fairly deep into the family legacy as well, that equity in education is not just something that happens in a classroom or in a school. Uh, It it really is an understanding that opportunity doesn't just happen on an individual basis and is very much a reflection of the the state of the society that Mm -hmm. that we live in. Mm Uh, the the Graustein family is very much aware of how education was able to be instrumental in their integration as an immigrant family into the United mm. States mm. Uh, and their success, uh, but also a reflection of the fact that they were able to integrate into you know the identity of whiteness mm. in America, mm. and that education provides you know certain advantages and privileges for white Americans that it does not provide for all Americans. And so there was a, a real reflection on the need to address issues of race and poverty as well as as how they impact both in the classroom and the school, but how the environments outside and around the school uh, affect education and affect the ability to take advantage of opportunities and to even take advantage of whatever success and achievement one is able to achieve mm-hmm. within uh, the educational environment. Um, People of color have been able to overcome uh, many obstacles for generations and succeed in the educational arena only to then run up against additional barriers. Mm, mm, And that regardless mm. of whatever degrees you acquire or or other achievements that you uh, are able to to reach intellectually and academically, you still bump up against the structural barriers of racism in this society and the fact that they're 
appears to be a need to have people uh, on the bottom, disadvantaged, in poverty, and, and that we need to address that. David, you're, 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 you're provoking me here. <laughs> that's, that's what you get paid. That's what you get paid to do. If uh, you say so. I, I say so. Okay. I say uh, pr- okay. provoking in a good way because the thought that comes to mind is, and we were chatting a little bit about this offline, the, based on what you've said in terms of structural systematic uh, impre- oh, oppression, if you will, uh, in contrast to individual maybe achievement from, from time to time. The world of philanthropy, the, the philanthropic world, the, the <coughs> largesse that's available that some families have been able to accumulate, mm-hmm. you've been focusing on that as well. I mean, that's that's your focus too. What is the role, the purpose? I was looking at Darren Walker's uh, letters, as, and we're going to refer to some of your letters mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be, a, if not a tumult, um, a really uh, radical shift about has philanthropic, has the philanthropy world contributed to the oppression or can it be part of the liberation? Um, well, it, it's both. Uh, there, I think, has been an emerging awareness for some time in the world of philanthropy of how philanthropy exists specifically because of exploitation and oppression, mm. that the the wealth that makes philanthropy possible is only uh, something that could have happened you know, with some people really being able to take unfair advantage and, and benefit unfairly. Uh, and so there's a, a real awareness within the world of philanthropy of the need to, you know, function with that understanding and to begin to, you know, look at ways in which philanthropy can begin to turn that dynamic around and even to the extent uh, to begin to address uh, reparations, if you will. Mm, mm. <clears throat> now, you use the word reparations, which is fascinating to hear for our for our listen, listeners. And I don't I'm not being facetious or or sarcastic. It seems as I get get younger, David, as I chat with people, I was with an, at an event last week and the gentleman did not know who sang the our national anthem, James Weldon Johnson, the Negro national anthem, did not know that there were three verses and he had to kind of refresh his memory mm. right before he went on to sing. And then he literally mutilated and ravaged the song because he did not know mm. the, 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 the modulations. And again, I'm not mentioning his name per se, mm-hmm, but, I, mm-hmm. but, I, but I'm just saying that the word reparations might have um, resonance for you and I, but explain a little bit what that, for those of people that might be hearing literally the word reparations for the first time, although it's, you know, just the, the blind spots that we all have, including myself. Sure. The, the idea of reparations, I think has to, you know, really take into account the whole trajectory of the the African existence in America and the experience of you know people of color since the arrival of Europeans and and, and since the creation of the whole system uh, that exists here and and has to take into account you know not just what I think a lot of people tend to think of uh, when they think of reparations in terms of economic recompense uh, mm-hmm. which is certainly a part of it but also the whole idea that that you know, a whole people's um, agencies were taken away. I mean, there were also lives lost and dignity and, I mean, and, and just lots of horrific tragedies that took place. But, you know, that the whole idea of how this society, you know, was structured uh, is a reflection of, of who was able to ex- exercise agency and who was not able to do so 
um, except at the peril of you know life and limb and 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 other kinds of ignominy. So to think about uh, any idea of reparations really has to look at the the whole community, the whole body of people, the whole trajectory, um, just the whole idea of even the way the image. Mm of people of color mm. you know, was constructed mm. for hundreds of years and how, you know, the, the work to f- address that has been only, you know, at the hands of people of color themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there has not been a joint project of reestablishing, you know, the idea of, um, you know, love and respect and, and, and a real belief in the the dignity and the value of people of color in the mm. society. Mm. You're listening, the voices you're hearing of, again, this this is Tom Ficklin, and you're hearing the voice of David Adams, the executive director of the William uh, Gaspar Graustein Memorial Fund. And to, to go to their website for further information, I really strongly encourage you to do so. It's wcgmf.org, um, wcgmf.org, or just type in William Gaspar Graustein Memorial Fund. Um, you've, as as we've talked again, you you mentioned the really the sincere effort to build your team to to create a a working environment because regardless of what, whether you're manufacturing widgets or or juice or cars or uh, spilling out media like I do, and sometimes people even accuse me of being being a being a, a word propagandist, but I'll, I'll accept that. But but separate from your grant making activity, you're working on your your, your culture your your organizational culture and you have a person on staff to kind of speed up and accelerate that, accelerate that process. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say separate from the grant making process. Um, you know, once that mission was adopted, it was very clear that we could no longer do philanthropy in the way that the Memorial fund had done it, which was still different from, I think what most foundations Mm -hmm. have done. But it also meant that we, you know, really had to be mindful of um, the the legacies and traditions and habits and practices of mm. philanthropy mm. that were inherited, um, and how that would have to be deconstructed. And ultimately, uh, a little over a year ago, uh, we brought on board uh, Janae Woods Weber, who is uh, an activist. Um, who's trained as a lawyer, but who has been on the front lines in in Connecticut with the the Black Lives Matter movement and many other activities, um, you know, engaging in direct action, and and came on board. You know, her, her professional work after practicing law also in, uh, in, was involved with working with everyday democracy, hmm. doing um, various trainings in the the areas of diversity, inclusion, and equity around the country. And I thought that it would be of real value mm-hmm. to have someone like that on board to help us begin to work on our inner organizational culture, uh, who we are, how we manifest our values, and how we engage and interact uh, with community and, and other partners. And so we've been involved in that process. Janae has has really uh, dived in and, and been in, in very both instructive in helping us think about and being very intentional about our organizational culture uh, and, and really helping us to reconstruct what it means to um, be involved in the process of philanthropy and, and how that impacts our relationships, uh, both internal and external. 
Boy, that that's so key. And as people are probably listening, although they may not um, be thinking about it consciously, just as we when we mention the word philanthropy in this area, of course, the uh, New Haven Community Greater Community Greater New Haven Community Foundation comes to mind, and and some people might know the Ford Foundation or the Knight Foundation, et cetera. So. Um, the, the chance to kind of talk to you one-on-one uh, on the air about your particular niche, if you will, and, and your strategy really helps me to, to kind of see, see the differences. And, and, and in fact, how do you see yourself positioned in terms of uh, different from, say, the Hartford Foundation or the Fairfield uh, Community Foundation or the f- foundation here in, the, in, New, in New Haven? You know, different types of foundations have different um, mandates and structures. Community foundations play a very specific role in terms of of convening the community around the idea of identifying and addressing you know specific needs that that community has and and I think community foundations are are frankly some of the most important institutions that we have in the mm. United States mm. um, as a family foundation and and there are you know there's a whole sector of family foundations mm. Uh, mm. in this society most of whom fly below the radar quite frankly mm. Um, mm. and I have to say when I went to my first Family Philanthropy Conference, I was shocked at the number of people mm. there mm. that you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some families, like the Grassheim family, you know, do take on uh, the very uh, public responsibility to you know, be visible uh, as a, a foundation and to be held accountable. Indeed. And, um, and, I, and I think that that's very much a reflection of the family. Not every family foundation does that. You know, many intentionally mm, mm. don't want to be known and don't want to be scrutinized. And, you know, because it's a free country, as they say, that's their right. Yes, indeed. 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 And, and they, they've, they've earned, earned the money to, mm-hmm. to, uh, <laughs> to express, mm-hmm. express, put their money where their mouth is, that's so to right. speak. That's right. Uh, and, and speaking of putting the, I'm being somewhat joking about the money where their mm-hmm. mouth is, but mm-hmm. to have a, to have a mission, uh, to achieve equity in education mm-hmm. by working with those affected and inspiring uh, all to end. I mean, you could have just said uh, just to achieve equity in education, period, mm-hmm. because just period mm-hmm. Excla- exclamation point. Mm-hmm. But then you go on to by working with those affected and, ins- and then you could have put a period there, mm-hmm. but then you go on to say, and inspiring all, which is like <laughs> a, a, a quantum leap mm-hmm. to end Racism and poverty. Yes. Tell me, I mean, David, yes. we're not, we're, we're just cracking this, scratching the surface here. Yeah. You know, so just a, a, a quick, sh- you know, little story. Um, at the point at which that vote was taken and, and with that particular language, um, Jeannie Graustein was sitting next to me and she turned to me and she was like, I'm sorry because she felt like, wow, this is really overly ambitious. And, <laughs> I, you know, I'm sorry that we're doing this to you. And I told her, I said, it's all right, you know, because mm. I, I do mm. believe, um, you know, I had a, a, a high school teacher who used to say, if you shoot for the moon, you might get over the bush. Mm. Mm. And, uh, mm. and I do think it was valuable to have the board adopt that very ambitious goal. Yes. Yes. Um, the idea in 20, at that point, 15, to adopt a mission that just said equity in education would have frankly raised more questions than it answered. Mm. Mm. We, we've gotten to a point where, you know, 60 years after the Brown decision, um, and, and even long, you know, before that, you had any number of cases spurred primarily by the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and, and, and other strategies promulgated by any number of entities 
throughout the entire country. Um, and there's no general consensus as to, one, what equity is and certainly mm. what equity in education mm. is. Um, and so we wanted to begin to unpack it and understand that, you know, and especially in the context of being philanthropy, that we can't do this as charity. We can't do this for anybody. Oh, good, good. And that, good. you know, that the first iteration really did have to manifest this idea um, that we would be working with people affected by, you know, these dual evils in our society of mm-hmm. racism and poverty. And that, you know, while we certainly uh, have a lot of goodwill and, you know, some pretty good ideas yes. that we could not really be effective without working with the people who are affected, that we have to engage and bring into the process the people for whom the stakes are really much higher. Yes. Uh, at the same time, we understand that the legacies of, of of racism and and classism are such that you really have to begin to engage um, as many people as possible in an understanding that finally, you know, mm. we, we have to try to abolish these particular mm. realities mm. that are still a, a mm. deep part of America. And so, you know, because education is so important and because it's a very much a part of the myth of America, the, the mm. whole myth of meritocracy that, you know, anybody can be anything that anybody can pull their, you know, themselves up by their, whatever their mm-hmm. bootstraps, whatever mm-hmm. you call it, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we don't do justice to the whole idea of education. If we don't understand and accept the reality that education alone doesn't answer the problem and that education itself does have a lot of the problems that the broader society has. Boy, that's fascinating. And so we, we really do need to, you know, and want to engage people in the process of finishing the project. Not that we're the first to identify this problem mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. start working on it, but to finish the project of mm-hmm. abolishing racism and poverty in our society. Mm. Mm. I just want to take a deep breath. Is just what I want to take that, take that in. Uh, the thought that occurs to me, David, as, as I see you sitting here and you've referenced this before in terms of your building your team and building your allies and nurturing kind of a, a cohesive camaraderie. You've taken folks well, to, to this most recent race matters in Atlanta mm-hmm. and then to the West Coast. Uh, to the um, equity summit in Los Angeles um, almost well, a year and a half ago. A year now. and a half ago. Yeah. What's that? All, what was that all about? I mean, literally, you—that's your your innovation and creativity is just something that continues to strike me. Well, you know, honestly, uh, I've been a lifelong learner, and and any opportunity that I have, frankly, just to grow myself, mm-hmm. I've tried in every way to do so. And when we adopted this mission, it, it became clear to me that we did not have a lot of uh, innate um, knowledge uh, or intelligence. Hmm. on on these topics uh, as an organization, you know, that clearly we had staff and board members, you know, who, you know, we have some pretty amazing people mm-hmm. on the team, but collectively it was not something that had been a focus in a way that we could say, you know, we can hit the ground running. Hmm. And that one of the opportunities, and, and we've done a lot of internal things, we created something which eventually has be, become called um, – the justice literacy program where we hmm. will bring in a speaker, read a book. We, we, we read Ta-Nehisi Coates um, book between the world and me and mm-hmm. discussed it, you know, as, as a board and staff team. 
Uh, we brought in the uh, head of Latino justice hmm. and invited some of our peers in philanthropy to to hear him and to engage in a conversation with him. And so going to the conferences is in that same vein. But at the same time, we felt that this was not a learning process that we could keep to ourselves. In the same way that we invited hmm. our peers in philanthropy to hear Juan Cartagena discuss mm-hmm. the state of of civil rights and, and, and social justice for Latinos, that we wanted to invite, you know, peers that that we've had um, in Connecticut as the Memorial Fund, you know, for years yes. throughout the Discovery community to engage in this learning process with us. So we took 60 people to the Equity Summit in Los Angeles, um, probably the most Connecticut people at any one time. 60 uh, on your own plane? 60, <laughs> well, not on our own plane, but we we definitely, you know, it was funny. After a while, you know, there were people at the conference saying, I keep running into these people from Connecticut. What's going on? <laughs> Um, and then we took about 40 people mm. to the, the the Race Forward conference in Atlanta, uh, you know, two days mm-hmm. after the election, which I think was, you know, both fortuitous timing and, and frankly, very helpful. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, anything for for 2017? Is that is that mo- motif? Is that strategy still on the drawing board? Or you know, honestly, we've been um, both, I think, fairly opportunistic and and adaptive in terms mm. of figuring out, you know, where are we now and what would be a useful kind of tool. You know, the the thing that's really, um, I think, gratifying is that I don't have to initiate those ideas and concepts mm. as much. So mm. the mm. team now comes and says, All right. There's a, a conference, a seminar that's going on. I'd like to take, you know, some grantees or some, you know, philanthropy yes. partners. And, and so it's, it's, it's morphing and, and evolving in a way that, you know, I think reflects the fact that the organizational culture work yes. uh, is happening See? and people are beginning to sort of look at the ways in which that can happen. That, that's a good manifestation. We hear this word transformational leadership but regardless of what you call it you can see the the seeds that you've planted that you've planted manifest themselves thank you yes yeah, so, so you're a planter you're a plantation well i won't go there but you know i mean but some blacks did own slaves but that's a, yes, different, yes. That's a different story that's a different show that's a different show different show. that's a different show yes it is uh, again you're listening to the tom ficklin show and i'm with david uh adams the executive director for three years of the william gasper grouse grouse Stein memorial fund um I used to work for Empower New Haven, David, and right across the street here from the offices of WNHH. And um, I worked with Kia, mm-hmm. Kia Levy. So mm-hmm. t- tell us about Kia because they have these key components. And just I want people to kind of understand the flavor and the the, the Creole nature and really the uh, cross-cultural and just the, the polygon of what America represents. But how does an organization move ahead almost regardless of what your product is? You need key people, new 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 titles, new, new roles, mm-hmm. new identities mm-hmm. to kind of uh, – Help us all be citizens of the planet moving forward. Right. So um, Kia is a part of the work that evolved, again, out of our understanding of the need to both build our internal capacity as an organization, as well as to build and support the external capacity around social justice work in the community. And so we decided to create some equity fellowships. Mm. And those Mm. were opportunities where people could be supported financially while they were doing some work in partnership with the Memorial Fund internally, but also doing or pursuing their work or their goals outside of the Memorial Fund mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kia, um, you know, is the first equity fellow mm-hmm. that was brought on board because of her track record of, of work in the community uh, in a variety of ways. 
And she has been, I think, really instrumental in just kind of continuing to build that internal muscle, that that mm-hmm. that cultural, mm-hmm. social, intellectual muscle uh, in terms of being able to really grasp and be thoughtful about these issues, um, build out the structure of the the work going forward. But also, you know, she has had the time to work on some key projects that have mm-hmm. mattered to her. I know one of those has to deal with school discipline issues and, mm-hmm. and how they reflect the disproportionate impact on black boys in particular mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. So we've been very proud and pleased to have Kia uh, as a member of the team in this equity fellowship and are continuing to build out the equity fellowship project. Uh, we have two and we will be bringing two more on mm. and are going to be interviewing some finalists for those last two positions shortly. Tremendous. And David, I've I've obviously put my foot in my mouth about mentioning one or two of your staff people that we're referencing and not your, your total team. So we'll apologize to the, the, not at the, all. to the other folks over there. Not at all. Because you do have some some really quality quality folks to say the least. Yes. Um again you can go to the uh the the Graustein, uh, website. And David, you you did a letter, you wrote a letter um in twenty fifteen, kind of a letter to the community and a letter in twenty 20- 2016. I didn't know mm-hmm. if you wanted to kind of take a look at any one of those and anything kind of jumps out at you. Cause I know you're probably preparing your, your, your next letter as well. Uh, a lot of foundations do this, but as I read yours and even the closings, you, you've, your closings are articulate. You, uh, you're graduate of Columbia journalism school. That's correct. And a graduate of the law school as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it doesn't come as any surprise that you can pr- construct a few sentences from time I to time. I can put a few words together. <laughs> Un- unlike other people, but we're not going to go there down in D.C. But I guess wondered as you sit here in front of me and, and look at mm-hmm. what you wrote before, if anything jumps out at you either in terms of clar- elucidation from what you, you've, you've penned prior or what's kind of what's germinating in your mind maybe even as we speak. You know, honestly, um, these are not individual efforts. These are really a reflection of a, a collective process and and I am privileged to you know kind of have the title and be the voice or the face uh, in a variety of ways but this is really a reflection of uh, the 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 dialogue and and the discourse that's mm. really being engaged in literally on, on a daily basis mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. a joke that mm-hmm. the most important meetings take place in the hallways at the memorial fund. Mm. Mm. And that, you know, we're we're constantly meeting in some way, shape, or form because, yes. you know, there's so much to figure out. Um, and no one, you can really tell that no one stops thinking about all mm. of the implications mm. of mm. this work. Mm. I mean, it, it's, it's not the kind of mission that, you know, you can sort of put it to bed at 5 o'clock and go home and, Indeed. you know, watch your, you know, reality Indeed. shows or whatever. Um, and so... There's a lot of ferment, and, and that's really what I see when I look at this. Uh, while, you know, most of this might be my words, they really reflect the sentiments that we've collectively mm. created as an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, social justice, social change, a few comments on that, how, how those phrases, we hear them so mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. Uh, articulated, sometimes we're becoming stereotypical, but I was really so excited to kind of chat with you that you're, bringing really real life reality and extended definition to not just the metaphor or the, or the phrase or the, or the vision, but, but how we can really be become part of it and how we can, how it can affect us and how we can embody the term and embed the term, become the term. 
Yeah, I, I would have to say we we acknowledge that you know we have kind of stuck a toe in these waters of social mm-hmm. justice that the the social justice movements um, in in America and around the world are vast and deep and mm-hmm. and, and and diverse and complicated and you know there's no one consensus as to what any of that means what we you know want to do is to promote mm-hmm. um the idea that we want to live in a just society mm-hmm. and that we don't mm-hmm. um and that while there are many many positive things about the united states of america um there's a lot of work to be done um a lot of challenges that we face and and we want to play a role in that mm-hmm. we want to really do the most that we possibly can to, to make an impact. And, and for folks, and I appreciate you're sharing that for folks and you're doing, I can understand. Well, I appreciate what you're saying and I would say you're doing what you can. And it's even to, to, to you're, you, sometimes you want to, you, you appear to be a modest guy, but I'm telling you folks, this, this, this organization is, is rocking and rolling and, 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 and jazzing up and doing, doing everything, uh, not everything, but at any rate, I'm just glad that, glad that you're here. Uh, Thanks. Uh, I my pause is I hesitate when the show you know we started almost two a year and a half ago and then when January occurred I've been every show I'm, I hesitate to kind of reference what's going on in D.C. but it's whether I mention it or not it affects our discourse it affects our thinking it mm-hmm. affects our our existence even mm-hmm. if you try to block it out or medicate yourself or even if you've never been political. There is there something in the wind that's going to even if you've been able to ignore it, and those of you that have, I I admire your your ability to ability to do so. Uh, but the point I want to kind of ask you, David, about as we kind of conclude, uh, it's kind of off topic, but in a way I think it does relate to to messaging and communication. With your having a journalism background, with your having a a law school background, uh, I'm I can't speak for you, but I'm sure your ears are somewhat irritated when you hear the articulation of thoughts and ideas emanating from our. <clears throat> Our, our current, the current occupier of the, of the white house. Um, um, so, so the, to use, so specifically my question is we've attempt, I don't think we even, cause you read the, read the New York times and you see articles kind of condemning never in the history of, uh, I think of America has a president has so many negative adjectives been used toward a, a, a city, a sitting president, but I don't think we even have language now to describe, you know, dystopia comes to mind, but I don't think we really even have language to describe what we feel and see and, and, and think. I'm going to approach this from a different way. This, I mean, this would I, be great. This I, would be great. I, I think that, you know, yes, there's a lot that could be said that's negative about this. In many ways, um, a lot of these dynamics have existed for a long time. You know, mm. I, a lot of young people don't realize, you know, and I've tried to sort of share, you know, with young people, including my own young people, um, that one social justice movements and, 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 and oppressed people have overcome many obstacles for many, many generations mm. and centuries. Um, what I find most positive about the current development is that, you know, it really kind of makes it impossible to delude oneself mm. that mm. we don't mm. have work to do. Mm. And so it's become very clear that there are people in our society who are, are are still fairly clueless about some important things and, and who are stuck in, um, you know, some real, um, time, I don't know if time warps is the right word or, mm-hmm. or, 
or are really not in touch with reality. Mm. And so, you know, I think that to the extent to which the work has to be completed, it's really important to know what the work is. And I think that if we're not clear what the work is now, uh, then we'll never be clear because this is about as clear as it can <laughs> so get. That's okay, good. Uh, good. I think it's important to know. It's good. important to know the work. Um, you can't do an effective cleaning if you don't know where all the dirt is. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so strate- a strategic opportunity. I think this is a very strategic opportunity because I think that we got a little too complacent. You know, eight years ago, President Obama made it clear, you know, after he was elected and then um, after he was sworn in, that he could not get his work done if we did not push him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we really heard that clearly enough. And and so, you know, whatever way we're able to overcome this current situation does not mean that the work is done, that mm-hmm. whoever we're able to then get to lead the, the next, you know, charge is going to need our active support in every way. And I, I don't even see, you know, the loss... Um, at the uh, at the Democratic National Committee vote as so much a bad thing as it does outline the you know, geography and, and and geometry of the work to be done mm. going forward. You mm. know, I think it's you know always unfortunate to just sort of see this as a loss and be upset about it. Yes, as opposed to you know understanding you know at halftime the Patriots didn't go oh hell we're losing they were like mm. okay now we know what we mm. have to do. Mm. And so mm. I say this is just, you know, sort of um, a sign of what we have to do. Yeah, we're down 28 to three. We have work to do. Mm. Mm. That's that's uh, you have. If you'd like uh, 30 more seconds for the last word. Again, this is the Tom Ficklin show. Really no, look, it's you. always a pleasure to be here and talk with you. And honestly, to, you know, really bring the Memorial Fund out into the community in any way possible. We are reaching out to, you know, have conversations in community. Uh, we welcome input. Um, please go to the website and you'll see what we're doing and and, and how you can engage with us. Tremendous, tremendous. David, thanks as always. Thank ha- you. Harry, th- thanks for kind of manning the board and kind of giving me the, the signals, and we'll see you next Monday. And uh, this is the Tom Ficklin Show, and our guest has been David Adams, Executive Director, Graustein Memorial Fund. Talk to you soon.